0: When I was studying at Grand Valley State University, I had a roommate who was uh, an engineering major that changed his major to being a business major because he got involved into what I call a get-rich-quick scheme. He was trying to sell everyone on this business opportunity that he had. And I remember because he was my roommate, part of this business was to listen to a lot of motivational speaking. A lot of motivational talks about how awesome it is being rich imagine if you were rich imagine if you had no worry about money whatsoever and I remember thinking to myself there's no problem with wanting to be rich In inherently there's no problem with wanting to have a lot of money the question is why do you want to have a lot of money right we know I think as Christians that money can buy a lot of things right? It can buy all the things that money can buy and that's a lot but we also know, especially as we become adults that money cannot buy us happiness. It cannot buy love. It cannot buy freedom. It can't buy meaning and it certainly cannot save us from death. And we find ourselves as Christians continually struggling with the temptation to put money above God and put material resources above God. And part of this is because we live in a world in which there is a lot of advertising, right? Marketing and advertising, they do a really good job. Right? that get us to be convinced that we need a certain product in order for us to have fulfillment in this life. But I think a deeper issue is that money has perennially been a temptation for us to place our trust in it rather than in God. In other words, it's the prime competitor for God's place in our heart. And so we need to continually be watchful as to how is it that we understand the means of money by which we provide for many of the needs that we have so that we don't allow it to become a priority over God in our life. In today's gospel, Jesus talks about money. Most people don't know that Jesus talks more about money in the gospels than he does about sex. And so it's important for us to be very attentive to what he's saying to us and how he's challenging us to truly put him first so that money has its proper place in our life. Now in the gospel, he tells the story of this parable of the rich man who had a bountiful harvest. And and as he has this bountiful harvest, he has so much left over. He says, what should I do with all of my grain? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down the barns that I have. and I'm going to build larger ones so I can place my goods and my grain there. And then he says to himself, now as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years, many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then at this point in the parable, God speaks to the man. He says, you fool, this night will be demanded of you. And all this stuff that you have, to whom is that going to belong? Then he says a line, which I think in many ways is extremely sobering and should really strike us to the heart. Thus, it will be for those who store up treasures for themselves and are not rich in what matters to God. Now, who of us wants to be rich in what matters to God when we die? Only like a few of you are raising your hands. <laughs> I want to propose that you're here at Mass because you want to be rich in what matters to God. And there are a lot of people who don't go to Mass, who don't believe, and perhaps are really confused about this, or maybe perhaps they're so caught up into the world they don't want that. But we want to be rich in what matters to God. And so I wanna propose this morning three ways in which we can be detached from the earthly goods that we have so that we can be rich in what matters to God. Number one, enjoy the things of this earth by living from heaven. In today's second reading, Paul is speaking to the Christians in Colossae and he's, he's telling them to think about that which is above, not about that which is on earth. He says, after all, you are seated with Christ at the right hand of God. In other words, what he's saying to the Christians, because of what Jesus has done for you, you are already sharing in the inheritance that God has for you. You're living and sharing in Jesus' divine life. So therefore, think about that and live your life from heaven to earth. A few months ago, I talked about how we, are, we have dual citizenship, We are citizens of this world, but we're also citizens of heaven and our identity in God transcends our identity in this life. And if that's true, it changes our own priorities and we begin to see life differently. And this is very important. So that when we live from heaven to earth, what that means is that we're living from the reality that we're made for heaven and that God already has enriched us with eternal life and divine life. That means that we see the good things in this world as signs to us of his goodness. In fact, signs that point us to heaven itself. And when we see the things of this world that we have as signs, then we hold on to them less, um, kind of, we, we hold onto them more gently and lightly. We don't try to see in them the things that satisfy us because they point to something beyond themselves. We don't stop at the sign, we actually go to where the sign is pointing. Like if you're driving to Brighton and you see a sign that says Brighton 15 miles, you don't stop at the sign that says and say, I've arrived. No, you, you go to where the sign points you. And that changes the way that we look at the material goods of this world. Think about it this way. We live in a culture that is increasingly, explicitly and implicitly rejecting God. And it's rejecting our divine or transcendent um, kind of end, our goal that is being in life with God forever in heaven. And because of that, the pursuit of the world's good by our cult, the world's goods by our culture is rather aimless and self-referential. That is, it's aimless in that there's no further goal to life, right? If there's no God, right? if, there's, if there's no heaven, if we're not really living toward that, then really this is all that there is. So it's rather aimless. And it's also self-referential, right? Because there's no further purpose to life. That means that the earth's goods are really for my own consumption. They don't have a transcendent view that, that really made for love and that these things reflect the goodness of God that he has for us in heaven. And because of that, it's the highest priority in this world often is pursuing these goods over the goods of faith, hope, and love. And that's precisely what idolatry is. That's why St. Paul is very clear that when we, because we are seated with Christ in God, he says, put to death then the parts of you that are earthly immorality impurity passion evil desire and the greed that is idolatry greed is the inordinate desire for earthly goods as Christians were made for more than that and so it's important for us to recognize that we can enjoy the things of God on earth because we're living from the reality in heaven and so I want to encourage you very specifically when you're seeing A beautiful sunset on a beach or maybe you're on a beach when you see the beautiful forests and the trees and the mountains when you enjoy a nice home and a nice car enjoy those things in god recognize that those are gifts from him and those point to the reality of our inheritance in heaven you know the paradox is is that when we enjoy the things of this life in god We actually enjoy them more than if we were to enjoy them in place of God, because we know their proper place in our life. And moreover, when we enjoy them in God, we don't become attached to them. They don't vie for God's attention in our heart because they draw us to God. This is really important because if we can do this, we see how utterly foolish it is to put the things that God creates in place of the creator's role in our own life. So number one, enjoy the things of earth by living from heaven. Number two, give God the first fruits of your labor so that he can have priority in your heart. One of the most powerful ways of staying detached from the earth's goods is to make sure that God is given the first fruits of our labor by tithing. You see, in ancient Israel, God commanded the Israelites to tithe 10% of their income the first 10% of the first fruits of their labor was to be given over to God and used, and used in the temple. And this was so that God could make sure that their hearts were given to him first, that they recognized that, the, that all the stuff that they have ultimately was a gift from God. And this prevented them from growing in, a, in an idolatry, right? Because what happens is, is that when people give to God the first fruits of their labor, they recognize that everything is a gift. And that rather than being the the ones that have to rely for themselves and provide for themselves, they are reminded that God is their provider. You see, it was a way by which God formed the hearts of his people to trust in him. So those people of God have always understood that we are stewards of the resources that he gives to us. We're not the source of those resources. It's true that while the 10% tithe, the exact percent is not required for us as Christians, right? That the exact 10% is not required. We do have to tithe. In other words, as Christians, we recognize that we have an obligation to support the church in its material needs. And so some Christians talk about 5% to the church or 5% to charity, regardless of what it is, It's in giving ourselves or giving to God the first fruits of our labor as a part of our income protects us from the very greed and the anxiety that comes along with having to provide for ourselves. And it enables us to truly enjoy the things of life. This truly is a paradox. And and many of you know that I don't preach much about this particular issue because our parish has been so incredibly generous. that so many of you give on a regular basis. And you give out of the, your income according to your own ability, and you're doing that, and it's providing for the needs of the church. But I also know that there are some people here who don't give, and it's not maybe been something that you're in a habit of doing. The paradox is if you don't give, you become more anxious about the things of this world, and you, you, it, it's harder for you to see that God is actually providing for you. And so in a real sense, an essential part of discipleship really is tithing. And so the question is, is that are you giving to God and his church regularly? And if not, I'm gonna prayerfully and gently challenge you to start. And finally, number three, remember that money is not an end in itself. It is a means for love. And this is the most important thing to remember. What happened in the parable, right? This man has an abundant harvest. And it says, the text says, he, he stored up treasure for himself. He didn't give any of his excess away. He didn't invest it in any other people. He stored it up for himself. You see, it was the self-referential aspect of how he spent his money that was the issue, right? And so the key question for us is, what is the purpose of money? What is the purpose of the resources that God gives to us? You see, the purpose is related to love, right? It's, It's to honor God. It's to love our family. It's to serve those in need. That's a Christian view of the resource of money. And that's not a view that's shared by the rest of our culture and our society. And so as Christians, when we, when we look at, at, a, at a father or a mother who wants to, to get more money to provide for their family, that's not greed. That's a good thing to, give, to, to make money to provide for your family, right? To want to make sure they have the resources they need to grow up right but we also know that because our priority is honoring god and loving our family and the people we're responsible for right we also know that perhaps a decision as to whether or not we buy a bigger yacht right or multiple cottages or multiple things that we simply don't need right especially when we haven't made sure that we're, we're giving to the church and to charity and caring for our family we begin to see how clearly that becomes greedy and can take us away from the riches that God has for us. My brothers and sisters, the key question is, is how are you using your resources? Are you ordering them toward God and your family and those in need? Jesus says, take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist in possessions. Life is short. Death is certain and eternity is long. May we be rich in what matters to God so that when we die, we can really inherit the riches that God has given to us in his son, Jesus.